Hello, people. Hello, people. This is um, on McLeod Nine, featuring um, Cameron McLeod, your host. And um, today I have a very special guest, something a wee bit different. Now I should have asked beforehand. I should have like done the professional thing, but I don't want to screw up your um, last name. Uh, is it Simon Challies? Challies, that's Chalies? right. Challies. Okay, cool. Simon Challies. Hello, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much, Ken. Um, I usually have. It's funny because Mum. I know Mum who. You used to work with uh, Tracy. I don't. I probably shouldn't say her name. I'm going to bleep that. Um, she, she. I found out she listens to this because we were having dinner one time, and she was like, "Oh, I listen. I listen to the podcast. It's um, it's not very funny." Uh, which is a nice semi-backhanded compliment. It's not really supposed to be funny. It's sort of storyteller and just conversational. Um, there are funny moments, and I usually have one of my comedian friends. You know, I'm a so-called comedian here in Christchurch, but I thought I'd sort of diversify, talk to different people, learn from different experiences and, and whatnot. And uh, whatnot. And uh, so for those who don't know who you are, do you want to give like a 30-second blurb of who you are, maybe? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yes, yeah, Simon Challies, i um currently unemployed or retired, <laughs> depending on which way you want to look at it. Seeing my son likes to call calling me unemployed. <laughs> he, he thinks I just go out and tap a few emails and come home again. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's um, I've um, retired last year, so I semi-retired uh, from running Ryman for 12 years before that. And I'm a trained accountant and lawyer was my background Yeah. for my sins. And I found, <laughs> I found the light. And, uh, no, I'd always had the ambitions of being a, a CEO of a public company. And that was my dream come true, actually. Nice. Coming CEO of Ryman. And, uh, it's, uh, it's Ryman Healthcare, so you guys sell... I don't know how you pitch... It's, you sell retirement villages? I don't know how... You, sell, you, you own retirement villages and sell villas. Is that how I would sell it? Uh, I'd, I'd say it's more about people people buying into the village and buying a place to live. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how I know you. Well, I know of you a little bit, but it's it's one of those things. My mum, she works there still, and um, I used to work there as well. A little um, folder. I used to fold all the folders in the bank marketing room. You're essential key in the marketing team. Wow, I wouldn't say that. I <laughs> uh, just you know be seen and not heard. I'd be in the corner with my little headphones and I'd work away. But what always impressed about impressed me about you, because I, I don't know if the if it's just me or the world has this like impression of CEOs or like entrepreneurs or businessmen of like I don't know, like um, you unapproachable. Know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and but you but you always you always remembered my name. And you always said hello, Cameron, and which doesn't sound like a lot. It sounds like a normal person thing, like yeah, everyone right. should do. But like I've been on like film sets where like the director of the film will just like not even make eye contact. Like you know, sometimes you you'll be in a place and you feel real small person. Yeah, yeah. I look, um, I know what you're saying because I I came from a pretty modest background and um, and. Uh, Worked and studied when I was growing up in a um, fairly modest town in Pribilton. And uh, you've met all sorts of people from all walks of life. And uh, I don't differentiate between anybody. I just treat everyone the same. Yeah. No matter who they are. And it doesn't matter what role I've taken on. I just, people are people to me. Yeah. And I guess that's why I've had, that's why I probably got such a good rapport with older people because I didn't, there was no stigma for, for me with older people. They were just as, 
valuable, valuable uh, people in the community and yeah. as much contributing, actually bloody lot wiser than us. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like there is a weird, weird stigma to old people when you like. There are countries like, is it? I think it's, I'm gonna seem so ignorant, but there's I think like Japan, they really take care of their older people. Yeah, and yeah. if and there's other countries and they really look after older people, I feel like New Zealand sometimes we just like there's that joke of like, oh, we'll put you in a home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of um, it's almost like if people are getting older, they're they're seen as um. If they're physically frail, people assume they're becoming mentally frail as well, and sort of right. and t- tend to dis- be dismissive. Yeah, where it's yeah, not everyone, but it's a definitely a tendency. Whereas if you treat them like human beings as well, <laughs> they actually they respond really well to you. Yeah, so yeah, such so a bizarre concept treating everyone <laughs> like human beings. Yeah, because I've talked to like 50, 60, 70 people, like people who are like getting older, and they're like, oh, I'm still like. 24 in my head. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, mind. Everyone, everyone, everyone sees themselves in their youth. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it's funny because I remember reading something a wee while ago about um, the, the music you and uh, the, the arts you are um, attracted to when you're about 14 or 15 stay with you forever. Ha, huh, interesting. And it's because it's the time of your life when you're probably the most influenced. Yeah. And and that's why people that's why your parents always listen to the same music and, and to get stuck yeah, on. Yeah, sure. And like t- t- to an, like every generation beforehand would be like, oh, today's music's rubbish. Like that's not music. And mm-hmm. like because to them, yeah, when they were kids, that was their music. And you know we'll be saying Katy Perry and Lady Gaga or whatever. And like forty years time, when we're older, to our kids going, oh. Yeah. Well, that's, that's 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 rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah, this. Yes, yeah, it's the, it's that interesting thing to like old people and like millennials or whatever. And I, I don't know. Some some older people will just be like, "Ah, oh, you millennials are so lazy." Yeah, I think I think I think the badges people put on it. It doesn't matter. It's just describing someone's time of life and experience. Right. It's not. They're not. They're, millennials aren't any different to today than. The people the same age as them fifty years ago. Yeah, they they were just one of they've been they given a bit of independence and they yeah making a name for themselves and uh, they don't take any advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't take any advice. They're not good. Li- we're not good listeners. As millennials, I don't know if I'm millenn- I don't know what's the age for millennials. I'm not sure of your age either. Yeah, I don't know if I'm slightly. I think I'm just in the bracket of like I'm like at the. Yeah, bloody not taking advice. It's funny because I was like, I don't know if it's a Kiwi millennial thing, like a younger person. Like I used to work in this place where like the work wasn't like hugely physically intensive, mm. but like you, you did the work and it was like tiring and stuff. And there was just this 18 year old kid who just did nothing. Just, it was unbelievable. And it was, it was amazing to me. I didn't know it was because he was young or maybe because of his parents or like what it was or his ingrained work ethic, but it didn't, it like never, he was there for ages because it, apparently it's like impossible to fire anybody these days. Um, and so he just, he was there for ages and he, he just, felt no guilt for not. Yeah, yeah. He just, I was, I was like, and like he had multiple warnings and like, you've just got to pick up the pace a wee bit and we'll be impressed at this point and just never, never, never got it. Never, never got it. Yeah, never knocked the vibes from the rest of the team. That they, no. they were 
Okay. And there were tons of vibes. Like I like I was one of the nicer ones. There were some people there. I worked with a couple of Brazilian women. And they had the strongest work ethic. Super like really hard working diligent and they just hated it. And there was like and then and it, it, like the tension builds and then there's like weird squabbling and like it's just it, it's not nice to work in, in that environment and, and he just he just never got it. No, no. And it's it's an awful of those situations because if if no one if no one confronts it and sorts it out. Yeah. Everything just gets so intense and fractious. It's it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. It was so bizarre. He eventually got fired when then we like threw a party because everyone was just <laughs> sick of it. It was like a year and a half. Not that a year of like, oh God, this guy's been just doing because then you have to pick up his work. Yeah. And cover for him. And cover for yeah, it's just insane. Um, okay, we usually just go straight into it. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? <laughs> What's the worst thing? Oh god! One of the, oh, one of the worst. You can you can pick people. People have mold. When I ask people to do this podcast, and they go, "Oh, the best, worst and best thing," a lot of people will go, "Oh, is it weird? I have ten bad things, and I can only think of like two good ones." So I think I feel like everyone gravitates toward the bad stuff more. Maybe yeah. I, I don't know if this is something more about them. Well, I was, I was tossing a coin on this one, but I think I know the answer. Okay, I think I know the answer. The um, the worst the worst thing that's happened in my life is is was a was it was it Ryman? It was a care event that happened in Wellington in about two thousand and thirteen. And it got front page of the Dom Post, it was on national radio, and I had to turn up to a angry horde of relatives, hundred relatives. Oh wow. And the Ministry of Health came in and audited and and that completely bagged us and uh and that was probably the, and the reason it was, it wasn't, it wasn't so much the confrontation. That wasn't the, that wasn't what hurt the most. What hurt the most is that you'd actually let these people down. Yeah. And you just felt it was a real low point because it, because we'd had lots of successes at Ryman. Yeah. And to be hit with that was like, oh my God, it was like, it just about rubbed over my truck. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what, what was the whole, what was the whole issue with the whole, why, why were people mad? Uh, there was one daughter who was, very unhappy about the care of their mother. Oh, wow. And justifiably so, too. Yeah, and it just, like, blew up to this whole thing. Yeah, well, it blew up pretty quickly, and uh, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty, so it, it, it was um, it got good coverage in the media. Yeah. And, um, but, but, the, but the why I sort of pick on it is because... Because um, the funny thing is, I could, you, most people talking to me would probably expect me to say getting Parkinson's is probably the... <laughs> the worst thing that could happen to me, but um, but actually I don't I don't see it that way. It's it's bizarre in a bizarre right. way I don't. Right. And I think the two are related actually because yeah. because I I that was two years after I got diagnosed with Parkinson's. Right. And uh, the event. Yeah, the event. And it was me confronting the reality that I I think it was me also confronting the reality that I'm going to be in that place one day. Right. And that's why the guilt was probably even worse. I felt even more responsibility yeah. for the care of these older people, frail people, because I, I could all, I was all, all of a sudden facing my mortality as well. Totally, that's interesting. That probably says a lot more about you in a good way of like, because you could have said the whole, the whole Parkinson. I don't. I'm gonna jumble this, but the, but instead you were like, oh, the, the worst thing was let, letting down family members as a crux, really, the whole thing. 
and 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 so did the media. So then you have to apologize, and the buck stops with I guess you mainly yeah. or yeah, me mostly. Yeah, and you have to front the whole thing and be the face of that and just apologize yeah. and yeah, and and make it right. And um, the, but the, the reason I see it as as the low point because it was a catalyst for lots of changes afterwards. It really motivated me. Okay. And that's why I think I picked it as a low point because it was it was such a it was it felt like it hit rock bottom, but it motivated me to to make a real difference. What what were the what were the changes that came from that? Uh, like personally or professionally? I don't know if you can differentiate the two. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it was um, it set set me off on a journey to uh, to make sure that we. As an organisation, we um, that we looked after our customers as well as our shareholders and their families. Yeah, and that we oh, we had a great reputation for making looking after shareholders and creating value for shareholders. But I wanted to I wanted the company to have an exceptional reputation for caring for residents and families as well. Yeah, and uh, and so that's why that's why part why it hurt and uh, it set us on a journey. Which was remarkable. It was sort of journey of discovery of where I learnt, where I learnt to probably toss everything that I'd learnt professionally. Oh wow! And go back to my roots and work out what was what was what was values were important and yeah, how to treat people and how to yeah, what people are looking for. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a it was challenging times, but it was it was out of those challenges that you. You discover some of the most exciting things you ever discover in your life. Sure, and I imagine that's a. I guess. I always think when I did the first episode of the podcast, and it was just me, and I was sort of talking about my worst and best thing, and I was like, "There's a weird moment where, even though it's the worst thing, and that's rock bottom, and that whole event, and that whole situation, it's not the best thing that ever happened to you. But there's like a silver light, like there's only up from there." Yeah, and and it's like a weird. It's a catalyst. Yeah, and 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 my worst thing was my dad passing away, but like I learned a whole bunch of great things and experienced a whole bunch of great things. Not because of maybe because of that, maybe I, I but like I went. I feel like my life would have been different. Yeah, it changed you. Yeah, in a good in a good way though. Yeah, yeah, and it's and I think that's what you. What you discover, you know, when you, I guess, when you're when you're younger, you're bulletproof and you and you think you know it all. Yeah. And, and then something, something, a big crisis like that hits and challenges you, and you start really being reflecting on the fact that you're not bulletproof and uh, yeah, and you're slightly more vulnerable than you think you are. Yeah. And um, and I think you, because I'm pretty still pretty ambitious, but um, I was very ambitious. And I think what you what you discover is that there's more to life than just Personal ambition, yeah, and that you, and that perhaps achieving results for other people is almost is more rewarding. Yeah, sure. And then with the Parkinson and the the event, it was like was that a two year period that changed your, made you less business orientated? Maybe that person like the two kind of went hand in hand as that event where you had to deal with all the media and, and yeah, I think, and I think, I think, I think, um, it was a combination of things because in 2000, cause I got diagnosed in 2011 shortly after the earthquake. So there was the earthquake. Wow. Parkinson's, 
And then, <laughs> oh my god! And then, yeah, then he, about two years later it was the, the event. And I think I think all of those things combined to to me to think, shit, I've got to I've got to I've got to be better than this. I've got to be smarter than this. I've got to right. I've got to work out how I can kick goals for everybody. Yeah. And uh, and and it's a it's a challenge that every business, every organisation faces. Staff, customers, suppliers. Yeah. How do you maintain? How do you create so much goodwill with all of the people involved? They, yeah. That they all want to be part of it, and they're all pr- proud to be part of it. Yeah. And they're all pleased with what it does for them. Yeah. Is there a moment where you're like, those? I mean, the earthquake. The, all three of those things seem real a real like wake up call to like mortality and like oh god life is short and that cliche of like live every day as it's your last blah, blah blah is there like was there a moment where you were like slightly selfish and like not selfish but like where you were like I have to figure out what I want in the next do you know what I mean like is is, is there a moment or was it uh, I think it was I think it was more of a case of that I was because uncertainty on the, progn- the diag- uh, prognosis, so you don't know how long you've got. But I was, I'm such an optimist; I just assumed it was going to, I was going to carry on forever. But part of, but part of me realised that I think part of me was motivated to move faster. Yeah. Because I didn't know. Uh, there was a little bit of uncertainty about how long I could carry on on the roll, so it probably made me move more quickly. Yeah. But I think the bigger motivation was the, the whole, vulnerability. Sure. And being motivated to look after other people. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I always, I, it's, I think about that sometimes because, you know, my dad passed away from cancer and cancer is another one of those things of like, I mean, like technically, I mean, technically life short in general, like even if you haven't got like a diagnosis or anything, like, I don't know, I could die tomorrow. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's what I said to the guys at work when I found out. I said to them, the management team, I said, um, I said, look, I could, I could be run over tomorrow. Right. I said, just, just, just business as usual, guys. It's just, right. It's, it's just, life carries on. Yeah. I just, I, I've got a diagnosis where lots of people never know and only get months or a day's notice. And right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, puts things into like a weird perspective of like, I kind of believe in cliches and contradictions a lot, like, like life short so you should live it to the fullest and you know you should write a bucket list now and start taking them off now you know like don't wait and mm. all these kind of things but also like i mean realistically i've got 60 years you know i've got, a, got plenty of time i've got plenty of time it's a weird thing they're both like uh, they both contradict each other but i kind of believe in both yeah i think and i think i think it's um i i look at life now and think it's how people respond to challenges that defines them it's not how people respond in the good times. It's how they respond when it when the chips are down. Right. That's how I. That's what I look for in the people that I've employed or worked with or even surround myself with. Yeah. People you respect because they've faced adversity and um, yeah, and sort of almost almost laugh in the face of adversity. It's yeah. because they just say no. It's not, not going to hold me back. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I th- I've, and I think that's the thing with like job interviews now, or something. You know, they don't ask you what your strengths are; they ask you like how you respond to what are your weaknesses, or like what, like how 
something's gone wrong what did you do and I think that's a real like there's a kid there's a kid there's a term for it these days it's called the adversity quotient oh yeah so, so it's IQ EQ and AQ yeah and uh, and I and I think it's probably probably the probably there's, there's much waiting on that as the other, other two yeah yeah it's interesting it's, um, it's an interesting perspective I don't think everyone shares my perspective but yeah, that's what I've learned. The longer, longer I'm in this in this world, the more I realise it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a few things to tough out. Yeah, totally. I was. Yeah, I feel like, like I know people my age who've like never been to a funeral or like never lost anybody or like they've had they've never lost me, never been fired, like just swimming through life. And I'm like, oh god, I I don't know how you're gonna deal when you get hit by. a like metaphorically or literally you know when you get hit by a bus you know like just when I don't know like it's like it's like um, it's like immunisation yeah well, it's like kids when they when they go to preschool right they they need to be exposed to bugs because they yeah you've got, you build up your immunity yeah and, yeah I know one yeah he's like he's like 21 and thinks he's I guess we all thought we were bulletproof when we were younger but I feel like some people were like been through some things and they've like you know seen some stuff or whatever and like been through some really adversity especially in like the arts and like people I talk to as friends and, and the artist community are really like not broken people but like people have definitely been through some stuff and like yeah I know a couple of people who are just like floating on clouds <laughs> and I'm like oh god I don't know I don't know how you're gonna take it when it doesn't you know, not everything goes swimmingly all, all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but that, ironically, I'm the total optimist. Yeah, I, I never, I never think, I, I never, never think I can't do anything. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think I've definitely become less. I used to be a wee bit of a pessimist, but the last like two or three years, especially like meeting new people, talking to new people, hearing their stories and their experiences, and building, building confidence, isn't it? Yeah, is yeah, definitely. And and I'm I'm definitely more positive and sort of better at picking myself up, you know, and getting back on the horse and all that. Yeah. The um okay. Well that was that was inspirational actually. What uh what's <laughs> what a deep, wasn't it? I, well, it was good, it was good, I enjoyed it. What uh what's the best thing that's ever happened to you? Well that's a, that's a, that is a tough one because there's lots of great things that have happened. Sure. But, um I'm gonna stick with the theme though that um because it came out of the adversity at Ryman, was the most powerful thing I've been involved with was um, the year we did, two years after that, it was 2015, we did the Kindness Tour, and uh, where we celebrated the kindest people in Egypt villages. Oh, yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it was, off the, it was off the scale. It was just so, yeah. it really, it really, well, it struck home with me. The guys who filmed it, we did a we did a movie about it and uh, interviewed the kindest people and it really opened your eyes to these yeah extraordinary people who were doing work that most people would not put their hand up for right and yet they um, yeah it's it's sort of it's <coughs> struck it struck it hit it was really raw yeah and um, and it was humbling. It's, so, yeah, what uh, what was that process of judging who was the kindest? Was that like a the sort staff? Of... The staff were nominated the kindest person they worked with. Oh yeah, and it was really cool. And uh, we didn't really know where it was going, but we ended up filming the people who nominated them with the and 
and the person that won the award yeah. at each village. And yeah. then we celebrated them. We, we, we decided to do a movie premiere at each village. Oh, nice. And we did it um, we, uh, we did it telephone style. So you had all the, um, what do you call it, when you have all the venues lined up, um, simulcast. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Simulcast. And we had it broadcast live from the, one of the Wellington villages. Nice. And uh, it was just it was just extraordinary times because, um, funny enough, the same weekend we did the um, we launched the uniforms at, at uh, the fashion awards as well. So it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a crazy time. Yeah, sure. And about three days three days later, I flew out to Europe for two two month holiday. <laughs> so 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 it was it was just like it was an just three things back to back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so it was a really it was a. It was a real high point for all those reasons. It was just like, it was just so much emotion floating around. I mean, the Tracy and Sam and I getting on the plane and Tracy says, you're going to have to let go of all this, this emotion. We don't hear about the kindness to her for the rest of the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was such a powerful, and it was, and it, I, I learned a lot. That's what I meant before about how I tossed all the professional things I've learned. Yeah. And just thought, what, what is important to the people who work for us? Yeah. And, how, what do I need to do for them? Yeah. For them to feel like they really want to look after the people for in the homes. Sure. So what? And that's that's the responsibility of the CEO is to is to not just not to just issue instructions and tell the team what they want is to actually make them feel yeah that they want to yeah because I guess it's a, it's a cycle at that point of like it starts. You know the the family putting their loved ones in a home and what they want, and then you want. So for them to get the best care is for your employees and all the staff there to really want to be there and, and want to give a shit, really. Yeah, yeah, and it's very personal, and it's interesting because um, one of the things I've done since stepping out from Ryman is Brave Heart Christchurch, and I don't know if you've seen anything of that. It's um, a video series we do once once every, we do a video each week yeah. on an inspiring person in Christchurch. Oh wow! And um, part of the motivation for that was it was going back to the principles that I learnt in the last few years at Ryman was that um, just everyone. We, all I heard in the middle of last year when I stepped down was that everyone was down the dumps about Christchurch. Yeah. Convention centre wasn't going head fast. It was it wasn't happening. The stadium wasn't happening. The, nothing was happening. Yeah. And the city looked pretty grim and all the rest of it. Yeah. And there's earthworks everywhere and, and it goes orange on. cones everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we all had enough of it. Yeah. But I took the view, and this comes back to my philosophy, I guess, is um, we use the byline out of out of adversity comes strength. And we we actually profiled a whole lot of people. We profiled a whole lot of people who we felt were unsung heroes and it's almost like the sleeping story of Christchurch yeah that these these people have all been through a lot of stuff but it's actually almost the change and the disruption and the rest of it has actually yeah fired them up to do even more yeah and so we've discovered a whole lot of people who um who have just done extraordinary things and so it's more about people and how they made it about others and actually just and one of the reasons we did it was because we wanted to we wanted to people in Christchurch to understand yeah that there's some really there's amazing people living in Christchurch totally and it's not about the buildings and infrastructure it's about the people yeah 
so so and so and, and because because one of the things um, was very clear to me is that if you ask the average person, why would they ask someone? Why would they tell someone to come to Christchurch? Why would they, how would they encourage them to come to Christchurch? What would you what would you, what would you say to someone who's you know yeah sure they can come to Christchurch yeah I. So you come to the dark room and see. Yes. Yeah, comedy show at night. You can't. It's sold out. No. Um, yeah, I guess. I, I guess I talk about the people. It's. It's. I think. Yeah, with the whole earthquake, and it was. I mean, the, the really big one was what seven years ago now. Yeah. And. Yeah, and so many people just like picked up their bootstraps and just like carried Still. on with the day. Oh, there was a whole lot skedaddled, but a lot carried on. Yeah, and just, and yeah. Actually, and did amazing things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So what's what's the video series called? A Braveheart Christchurch. Braveheart Christchurch. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's kind of a nice place to end. That's cool. I Are you comfortable with that? I'm, I'm, I'm super comfortable with that. I, don't, I sort of, I don't, I don't want to ramble on. I think that was a nice, neat, I kind of feel like... It's it's weird. Some of the podcasts sort of are really full circle of like we were talking about, you know, the adversity, you know, you, the worst thing, and, and it turns into the best thing, and then it just turned into the best thing, and it kind of came full circle. And yeah, that whole yeah, I said the end of the, of my podcast of you know my dad passing away and it was awful and it was terrible and I wish it never happened. I wish it was here and all that thing. But like you just, I don't know, you learn so much and and. Yeah, there was that adversity, and and you just I think sort of grow as a human and as a person, and you respect others more, and appreciate life more, and your opportunities more, and the great things in life, and and it, yeah, just like I don't know, even if you live at old age, you know, a hundred years is so old, but in like the scheme of the universe, it's it's tiny. It's yeah. like it's so amazing to be a human at all. Yeah. In, in New Zealand, like a great country, and like it's a new appreciation, isn't it? Totally. I'll tell you what, I'll show, I'll show you. Um, so, we're going to knock this off. I'm going to show you something. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up the podcast and uh, I uh, go 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 check out Braveheart Christchurch yep. on YouTube. Yep. Fantastic. Um, go check out Spadeface Productions. Uh, for, for comedy around Christchurch and the country. Um, I'm, I'm Cameron McLeod. Go check that out that fa- uh, on Facebook. And, and thank you so much, Charles, for being here. That's a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.